So this message is called The Letter Requires a Response. I'm going to give a little background, and then certainly this morning with with Al Lay leading, you guys who are here know the story. But to those people who listen online, uh, which is considerable, uh, I'm going to give you a little context. And that is that we have a community garden that is almost entirely cared for by a very few people that call Golden Beach Community Church home. And the work begins each fall as they prepare the soil for winter and they get an early start in the spring tilling the soil and, and fertilizing and planting and, as you heard, watering incessantly, especially in times of, of like this. Um, and all this is done with careful planning, which is just boggles my mind of how much time and energy and, and thought goes into this because there is constantly something coming out of garden all summer and into the fall. It's intentional, and sometimes there's two crops of things going. It's just amazing that with careful planning and, and care that this plot of land produces so much for so long for so many people. And then to hear you guys on these super hot days getting up early and driving in the back of your cars, trucks, and UTVs, just big bins full of water so you can water the plants and keep them alive. I mean, that's impressive and it's a commitment and I know you guys and, and I know you enjoy doing it and I know it's, it's something that, that God has blessed you with this love to do and working outdoors might be something that's soothing to you and, and Sherry's weird that way too there's animals and heat and stuff out there it's gross no, just kidding. Um, but it is an important ministry so thank you guys for what you do and the produce of the garden is available for anyone who needs or wants fresh, fresh vegetables. We've heard that this morning. And many of the first things that are picked are personally delivered to shut-ins, right? And others in the community that might not otherwise have access. And there's a cart that is regularly stocked on the corner. You said how many bags of tomatoes were put out in the last couple of days? What, 20-ish? Yeah, well, total almost 40 now. Almost 40 bags of tomatoes were put in this, on the corner for people to pick up it, just this weekend. And, and, of course, we have this fence and this gate that, that keeps the wildlife out or should keep the wildlife out. But, but it's left unlocked so that anybody that needs something can come in and pick and take what they need, what they require. And this is a real diligent response to Scripture. Listen to the words of Leviticus twenty three twenty two. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Make sure you're providing for those in need out of it. And that's what you guys are doing. This is an instruction, a commandment. And those who give their time in the community garden are showing faithfulness and obedience to God. Now, somewhat related to that, as a church, we're participating in Saturate USA. And this is an ambitious endeavor to to get the the Jesus DVD film. That's this. This DVD film. Uh, to every household in, in every zip code across the country. And we've, we've picked a couple around here. And with the assistance of volunteers, we have put together literally thousands of these bags. They have a, a brief little welcome letter and a, uh, a card about the church and, of course, the DVD and a, little, a small little track. And, and last weekend, six of us went out uh, to meet our neighbors and deliver these. And we got quite a few delivered. I don't know how many, but we came back to get more bags. So um, just there's an opportunity to sign up for some streets. We met a couple people. You met some people. And, and it was, it was, we had a couple good conversations. And some we just literally hung on the door and moved on. But our chief gardening officer had the wonderful idea of hanging several of them at the garden. You said you even put these in the, the bags of tomatoes. Anytime you take on a mission like this, anytime you take a mission, I wonder how many will actually get opened or looked at or the DVD listened to, anything, or does it just go straight in the trash, right? We will never know, 
but we, but we go on faith that the people who need something out of this will, will get something out of this. Perhaps all it serves is a gentle reminder that there's a God that cares for them or puts Jesus in the front of their mind or, or that there's a, a, a church in the community. We exist and they can come here and learn about Jesus and God and, and we do life together, right? We do life together. And to that end, these ministries are a success. No matter how many get recycled or thrown on the ground or, or watched, we're putting him out there in the world for people to look at and for a second think about. So we wonder, does it make a difference, right? That's our human nature. Well, two weeks ago, we got an answer. It's really hard to read here, and the letter was really beat up. But it was a handwritten piece of notebook paper left on the fence. So was it left on the fence? But it was, it was there at the garden, pretty weathered. It had been out there back when we had rain and heat. And it'd be hard to read, so I'm read it. It says, I thank you so much for the food. I would never be accepted at your church. Thank you for the offer to come. It closes with another thank you, and then is signed unacceptable. Okay? I hear several things in there, several things in there. We don't know who wrote this. I'm not sure that it matters as we consider what the person has shared. Um, that there's a message we all need to hear from someone in the community that is hurting and confused. This letter demands a response from us as a church and is from individuals. Not a, not a literal response, but, but a response of action. This letter and its call will be the focus of this morning's message. The letter starts with what I believe to be a sincere personal gratitude. I thank you so much for the food. I thank you so much for the food. Wonderful. There's another thank you for the offer to come. I think this is genuine. And, and a thank you as a valediction. So they signed the letter with, with a thank you as well. So this is not an angry letter. In the way I took it. And so to that end, the thank yous, the thank yous, the thank you for the food, the thank you for the invite. I say, amen, and you're welcome. That's our response. But a word is used twice. It makes three troubling statements that I can't ignore. And that's the word unacceptable. They wrote, I would never be accepted in church, and they send the letter unacceptable. We can't be certain of their thoughts, but from the otherwise positive nature of the letter, we, there's also a tone of hurt and sadness. And here's what I hear in the person's words. I would never be accepted in your church. Now, since this is followed with a thank you for the invitation, I, I think they're saying that they feel they're unaccepted in any church. By closing the letter with a gracious thank you and then signing with unacceptable as a pronoun, I think that they're saying that they, are, they feel unacceptable as a person. And that's the part that really breaks my heart. And these statements can't be further from the truth. Friends, we pray. We pray for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel. Not all opportunities have the kind of direct interaction or immediate response or visible result that we, we hope for and expect. The words of this letter, had they been spoken to any one of us, would have been one of these direct opportunities, right? If someone had set up, I wouldn't be accepting your church. Boom, there's your opportunity to say, you know why? Or ask, so the why? Why do you feel that way? Well, I'm, a, I'm an unacceptable person. No one would, likes me. God doesn't love me. Boom, there's an opportunity. And we would, I would hope we jump right on that. But this open letter by an unknown author to an unspecified recipient is just as real and just as important of an opportunity for us. The letter not only deserves a response, it requires one from us as Christians and as humans. In the absence of knowing the specifics of the who and why, we must live our lives in responses if everyone that we meet has these same thoughts. And I admit from time to time, I feel, am I good enough, right? Am I acceptable by people, by God, right? 
in the absence of knowing the specifics of the Hunan, we must be prepared to speak truth to these people and hope into their lives of anyone and everyone so that they never believe lies about their worthiness or their acceptance. There is work to be done here. So let's begin. I am unaccepted by your church. Let me tell you the truth. And I'm gonna, for each one of these, I'm going to say there's a truth, a problem, or a source of the lie, and then our response to it. So the, the statement is, I'm accept, unaccepted in your church. The truth is that it is not our church. It's not my church. It's not your church. I love you, but that's the truth. It is not our church, right? This is God's church, and we're all part of it. Golden Beach Community Church, maybe the name on the legal documents. I type it on the bulletin. It's on their sign on the lawn. But this is God's house and place of worship. To believe that it is ours is to make it exclusive and excluding, and I assure you, makes it uninviting because people will decide whether or not to meet God here for worship, spiritual growth, and encouragement based on their relationship with us if it's our church, not a relationship with him since it's actually his. No, this is not our church. The church doesn't belong to us, but we belong to it. Ephesians 1.22 reminds us of who the church belongs to when it reveals that God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be the head over everything of the church. We are trustees of it. We are to be good stewards of it, the building, the grounds, the people. Now, the problem or the source of lie comes from when we act proud or set apart or, or possessive in words or actions inadvertently. Our church is my church, you know. This implies an exclusiveness. That, that may sound like a good word, like I got an exclusive bargain, I got an exclusive deal on something. But, but when you're talking about something like this, we're not selling a product. We're sharing a promise, and that promise is inclusive, not exclusive. The wonderfulness about Christianity is its inclusiveness, not its exclusiveness. The psalmist writes, praise the Lord for his love and for the wonderful things he does for all of us. For all of us. So our responsibilities and response are to acknowledge that the church is a place of gathering that belongs to God. This is where we come together. We congregate. We care for it as we gather here to worship and minister. The book of Timothy's are letters written to the young disciple Timothy by the apostle Paul. And it includes instructions on how we should act in church and, and act as a church. And this includes the qualifications and responsibilities for elders and deacons and warnings about false teachings and, and the proper treatment of elders, widows, and slaves, or of our elders, widows, and slaves. But it also gives some guidance for worship. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, Paul writes, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you with these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. We're also called to care for God's church, both the building and its people. The First Testament book of Haggai, we find some lessons. And beginning at Haggai 1.3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains in ruin? Right, the people had, had built these wonderful places to live, but, but the temple to worship God was just, they were just letting it fall disrepair. Skipping ahead to verse 7, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Verse 12, Then Jerubbabel, Jerubbabel son of Shaltiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, and the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord through God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. 
and the people feared the Lord, meaning they respected him. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message to the Lord of the people, I am with you. Right? They, they realized they were more cared, caring more about their stuff than they were about God's house. And he commanded them to, to, to be good stewards. And they were, and he blessed them. We're also called to care for the people of the church from Paul's letter, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And this is the church of us. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So our responsibility to this to this claim that, that I'm an accepted in church is to create and maintain a warm, genuine acceptance of all. We are ambassadors and disciples of Christ and may be the only interaction that someone has with a Christian. And we will be judged by that, like it or not. If they think that you say you are a Christian and you act a way that this is not Christian, they're going to think that that's what Christianity is all about. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be real. I'm not saying that we shouldn't tell people, yes, I sin. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. Come to a house full of hypocrites, right? We got room for one more. Romans 12, 13 instructs us that share with the Lord's people who are in need to practice hospitality. Again, we are to care for God's people, not just this building. And the result, like I said, will be the creation of a safe place. And this is the definition of sanctuary, this room we have, a place of refuge, a place of safety. And the safe place will foster the spiritual growth of those who gather here. And it'll add to the numbers of those who find hope and salvation. And that is our purpose. That is our ministry. Just like God has faithfully done since the first day of the church. Acts established the, some of the early church and in Acts 2, 46 through 47 it records this history. It says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He didn't say I grew the church. I mean the church did grow as a result. But he said, I was adding to the number of those who were saved. That's, that is the barometer that, yeah, that tells us what our success is as, as a church. An overlapping concern is the unacceptance in our church versus the unacceptance in any church. And I think this is closer to what they were saying. The truth is that all are welcomed into the church that is the global body of those seeking after Christ. But not only that, everyone is invited Jesus taught, and we believe that every person is lovable, acceptable, and valuable. So valuable, he laid his life down for them. And we accept the person. We don't affirm or celebrate the sins, and we certainly don't affirm or celebrate our own. But, but we, just the same way, want acceptance. We need to be here. So we are the church. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 remind us that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Like I said, there's more that unites us than divides us. There is the most important thing in the world is that thing that unites us. One God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Yes, we are the church. And we all do sin. So all are accepted as we seek God's guidance and forgiveness as we do this life together. And the problem, the source of this lie, 
about the unacceptance in church comes from when we judge others intentionally or otherwise or we treat them differently and, and it's driven deep when we don't welcome someone or we respond to them with, with this lukewarm interest in them or who they are. Listen to this commentary. It says, which comes first, belonging or believing? It makes perfect sense for some church folks to require people to share their beliefs before those people are accepted into the group. Unfortunately, some will never hear the message outside of the group setting. If the church requires people to believe before they make them feel like they belong, they may never have a chance to hear the message. In the book, The Celtic Way of Evangelism, George Hunter writes, Indeed, many new believers report that the experience of fellowship enabled them to believe and to commit. For many people, the faith is about three-fourths caught and one-fourth taught. Later in the same book, he states the principle quite succinctly. For most people, belonging becomes before believing. You belong to a, a community of people that Jesus came to save. You belong to a community of people struggling with that every single day. Be accepted into that group, and then you will understand what it is that you are called to believe. And our response to that is this, to invite, to connect, to accept the person. Again, the truth is, is that all are welcomed. Not only that, all are invited. Welcome is, is passive. You're, you're already here. You, you happen to be stopping by. Come on in. We make them feel comfortable. Good. You should welcome. And we're really good at welcoming people, I think. But to invite is intentional. And that is our focus this year is to be intentional. We will go and we will invite and we will welcome them here. I love this illustration found in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone, right? We're not strangers. This is, this, we're united in this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises before a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now that is the definition of church. We are the church. So it is within us to accept others or to continue to let them believe that they are unacceptable. That is within our control. You are welcome, you are invited, or no thanks. To steal the phrase, with great power comes great responsibility. I know I'm stealing that from a, a Marvel movie, but with great power comes great responsibility. Let me share this illustration with you. The loudest sermons are ever preached are those that are lived, not spoken. I think we can agree with that. A false teacher will do everything in his power to speak like a Christian, but his works will betray him. And this illustration talks about a man who worked at a clothing store. And, and even though he, he claimed to be very religious and, and, and did all that and, and never went to church and all that. But everybody knew this guy was a horrible gossip. He had a horrible temper. He was, he was big about backstabbing and climbing the corporate ladder and, and doing all that stuff. And, and so he talked the talk, but he didn't walk the walk. And the story goes on to, to talk about how a fellow employee by the name of Rick just had a, a really tough day and he was really at the end of his rope and 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 of course the man being a christian went to him and he said hey rick you know you need to seek the lord let me help you and and rick's response would be what mine would be because if that's what christianity is about i want nothing to do with it right i see how you are i see how you talk i, I don't that isn't going to help me a bit right 
So the conclusion is Jerry's words have betrayed this broken man. Jerry's life denied the very reality this man needed, the truth about Christ and the glorious salvation and life he gives to a person. Instead of accepting the Lord, Rick turned away. A choice based on a ruined testimony. And look for answers in all the wrong places. So, so the question is, do your actions speak louder than your words? So I would say our actions do speak louder than words. But do they confirm or deny our profession in Christ? Friends, we are the church. So it is within us to accept others and to continue to let them believe that they are unacceptable. The result of a proper response is the creation of a deep restoration with others who struggle in this broken world but desire to connect with God. When we, as a church, tell people, you are accepted, you are welcome, you are invited, and we're not any different than you. That's the truth. And the last, I'm unacceptable. And I think the men as a person. The truth is that it doesn't matter who likes you. And I struggle with this, trust me. It only matters if you like you. And by the way, God loves you. That's a fact. That's the truth. So the source of this, of this lie must be Satan himself. Our responsibility and response is to speak truth and to lift each other up. That's the commandment. I've read it half a dozen times already in scripture today. But again, not because we think they should matter or what we think should matter to them. So, so our actions and words of encouragement are, are all about God and his immeasurable love and care for them, right? We, of course, we want to say, I care about you and I love you, but you know what the real message is? God cares about you and God loves you and you're valuable. You have a purpose in him. You are accepted. There is no such thing as unacceptable to anyone or anything that matters. We also provide words of encouragement along the way as, as we live together. First Thessalonians 5 love and reminds us that we are to do this continually because not every day is the best days of our life. There will be times we have setbacks. There will be times we have struggles and, and we don't always string together a bunch of good days in a row. There will be bad days in there and we will need someone to speak words of encouragement into us or to listen to God as he says, I love you, child of mine. I have chosen you. I've adopted you. You are my child. I know you and I love you. And the result of when this is done well is a confident, empowered child of God that is loved by him. And this is an important part. They know it. I often share videos from a group called the Skit Guys. In fact, last week when we were passing out those bags, uh, it was a, a lady who had visited the church and remembered one of the videos, the Skit Guys, that I, I show periodically. But there's one titled, What If? And so I kind of took a little bit of the, of the transcript from it and listened to this and considered the questions it asks. What if we were known more for what we love instead of what we hate? Would that make a difference? What if we spent more time loving people and less time being angry with them? Would that make a difference? What if we gave unconditionally of our time, our talent, and our treasures? Would that make a difference? What if we shared the difference Jesus has made in our lives and stopped pushing away those who aren't there yet? Would that make a difference? What if we walked in the steps of our Savior, sitting with the broken, caring for the poor, loving the lost? Would that make a difference? What if the church acted like the church? Would that make a difference? It has to. I can't believe it wouldn't. Again, we pray for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel. Not all opportunities have the kind of direct interaction or response or, or end result that, that we would like or expect. We want to see and know that we did something. But the words of this letter 
Had they been spoken to any one of us, it would have been one of these direct opportunities. And we would have surely risen up and had a response. But we need to remember that these questions are, have been put out there in the community. And we have an opportunity through the way we talk, the way we act, the way we live our lives, to let people know in advance so that they don't wonder these things or, or address these concerns without even speaking the words that they are loved and accepted by God and God's people, which is the church, which is us. I'm encouraged that that, that message, that letter didn't have an angry tone, but it's still such a powerful reminder that there's someone here that's struggling to think that they're acceptable in anybody's eyes. We know that, that they are. So the letter not only deserves a response, it requires one. In the absence of knowing the specifics, we must live our lives in responses if everyone that we meet has these same thoughts. What if we did that? Let's make that our prayer. Heavenly Father, what if? What if someone came to us right now and said, I, I don't get it. The things I've done, the things I've said, the things I've thought, they aren't acceptable in God's presence, in this church, and in, in the world. So I'm unacceptable. Lord, we know the truth. Everyone has been accepted. An invitation is given to all through Jesus Christ, who says that each one of us, every single person is so valuable that he laid his life down for them. We know the truth that we are never so far down a road that we can't turn and call on God. The scripture says, if we call his name, he will be faithful. He will hear our prayer. He will forgive. Lord, that is acceptance. So I'm not worried that people don't uh, have acceptance. I'm, I'm more worried that people don't understand that they already are accepted. So Lord, if there's anybody in this room that, that needs to hear this message, let it go straight to their heart. Let them feel the love and, and confidence that, and peace that can only come from you that says, I love you, child. Lord, if there's anybody online hearing the same message, has the same question, let them feel that love as well, that positive encouragement. And Lord, let us protect ourselves and be protected from these thoughts so they don't creep into our mind. Lord, ever given an opportunity a direct, literal opportunity to, to tell someone that they are loved and care for God. Let us never shy away from that with boldness and confidence, enthusiasm, and, and just joy. Say, yes, you matter, not just to me, but to someone way, way more important and way, way more powerful and way, way more good than me. My heavenly father, let me introduce you to him. God, we thank you so much for your grace and the peace it affords us. Thank you for the promise that we can turn to you. And if that's what we need to do right now, we do that in our hearts. We say, Lord, accept my apology. Help bring me closer to you. In your son's name we pray, amen.